so inflamed I have left by a nailay. It's still days and miles away, but I can feel the heat radiating off its coils all the same. I think, maybe, it'll be okay when I get there. There's nothing worse than being somewhere you're not wanted. Actually, there are lots of things worse than that. You could be stuck there, unwanted, resented, helpless, and maybe you love the people who don't want you. You've loved them for ages and ages, and you've watched them fall away from affection to indifference, to this, whatever this is. You might still hope they'll care enough to tell you about their day, to actually listen when you tell them about yours. Or perhaps you can catalog each step along the road that got you here, but you have no explanation for why you walked this road of all the roads in the world that you walk. I made dinner for us tonight. Braised beets with pecans and goat cheese over pasta. I chopped the pecans and toasted them in the heavy cast iron skillet we keep on the stove, then sprinkled them on top of the single plate I served. I'll be going to the dragon in just another week, I said to the empty table. I thought it might be nice if we had dinner together one more time before I did that. Neither of you answered because you'd gone out an hour before. I'd taken the sausages out of the freezer and set them to thaw in the sink full of cold water. When I set to trimming the stems from the last of our winter beets, you put on your shoes and coat, briefly debated who should drive, and left. But I made dinner anyway. I served it to myself and sat alone at our table. I did not make mental lists of things that are worse than knowing you have one more week of watching the people you love leave their home rather than share a table with you. Instead, I closed my eyes and as I chewed each bite, I thought about the dragon, pictured my approach to the cave, my fingers reaching out to stroke its scales, its flame engulfing me and turning me to ash. The dragon has lived coiled in the caves twenty miles out of town for a thousand years. We suspect it gave the first settlers some trouble, else they'd never have struck that silly bargain with it. But they did, probably because of whatever it did, and so here we are. Every seven years we take somebody out, drop them a mile short of the cave entrance, and send them off to face the dragon. In theory, if the volunteer is still with the dragon in seven years, we don't have to send anybody else. None survived the first day. The entrance to the dragon's cave is coated with the ash of volunteers. It's a situation ripe for barbarism, isn't it? Throw the town outcast to the dragon or the people we don't like, the virgins we don't trust, or the children filled with such alleged innocence that we want to shake them and scream until they understand that it doesn't get better when you get older. Everybody will still leave you. There's something wrong with you, and the faster you make your peace with that and embrace the dragon, the better. <laughs> no lottery for us. No amulus. We've always had a volunteer. A real volunteer. I guess it's something to know that you're not alone, 
that if you stuck around for another seven years, you'd meet somebody else as lonely and upset and bereft as you are. I wonder what it would be like to meet the past or future volunteers. We'd probably take up spots in corners or isolated chairs and stare at our hands, too frightened and wounded to risk connecting to each other. Bad as it is to be the one left behind, how could we cope with the possibility that we might do the leaving? And we would. Getting left is our shared gift, the thread that ties us together, the call that summons us to the dragon. If we were not the people who get put aside, we wouldn't be the volunteers. So if we came together, who would do the leaving, the setting aside, the losing interest? All of us? None of us? Which is worse? I can't tell. Doesn't matter. The previous volunteers are gone, and in seven years, when the next one comes, I will be too. I guess that means I'm leaving them anyway. It's not better, being the one who leaves. I tried again this evening. I came out of my bedroom to where I was packing my things. I don't want you to have to deal with the sorting and disposing when I'm gone, but it didn't go any better. Would you like to watch a movie? I asked. You exchanged looks, heavy with reluctance and distress. It's just... I'm going to the dragon in three days, and we still haven't watched the extended version of Return of the King together to finish out the trilogy. I don't know why I went on. Your answer was obvious. I could make popcorn. I didn't cry while I took down the curtains from my windows, though. I didn't sink to the floor and press the fabric to my face and bite it between my teeth to keep you from hearing my sobs my angry shrieks about how unfair it is that in three days I'm leaving forever and the people I love most in the world don't care. Feel relieved. Or honestly just a bit glad. It saves them from telling me to go away, which they might not bother to do, even if they realize that's what they want. The real kicker is, I think that makes me love you more. Makes me more desperate to have you miss me. My eyes were dry as I pulled the flimsy metal rod from the heavy fabric of the curtains, folded them, put them in a box for goodwill. The dragon's heat touches me already, dries me out, turns my grief to steam and salt. I couldn't have broken down sobbing even if I wanted to. I'm turning hard and solid, my soft spots melting away. It was awkward saying goodbye. Part of me wanted to scream at you, to make you understand that if you seemed the least bit bothered by the way things are, I wouldn't be doing this. To make you agree that this is my choice, yes, but it's not a choice I'm making on my own. I'm walking the path paved by your indifference and neglect, and you don't understand. You joked about how I'd always said I was going to pack up and run off somewhere warmer. But that's behind me now. In front of me, the dragon waits. The path to the dragon's cave is covered in pine needles the color of rust. I watch my feet cover them with each step as I follow the smell of smoke and sulfur toward the cave. My steps come more quickly the closer I get because I can feel its anticipation, its desire, 
It's hunger. It wants me. It yearns for me. Seven years is a long time to be lonely, even for a dragon, and it has been lonely. I'm not the one leaving. I'm the one going. I'm the one listening. I will give it all the love and comfort and support that I've lost from you. And as I pass the cinders that are all that remains of the previous volunteers, I promise myself that I will be stronger, that I will stand against its heat and flame, that I have left no one because there will be no volunteers behind me. I will not let it destroy me. Though it burns and scorches and melts, I will endure. I have gone to the dragon, and here I will stay. This has been a podcast on miniature. So Inflamed I Have Left was written by Anaya Lay and first appeared in Penumbra Magazine's August 2014 issue. Anaya Lay lives in Seattle, Washington, where she sells real estate under a different name and writes, cooks, plays board games, takes gratuitous walks, runs the Strange Horizons podcast and plots to take over the world. Her work has appeared in a variety of places, including Lightspeed, Apex, Escape Pod, and Nightmare. The narrator was my wonderful co-editor, Rachel K. Jones. Rachel has a degree in English and is currently pursuing a second degree in speech-language pathology. She grew up in various cities across Europe and North America, picked up and mostly forgot six languages, also an addiction to running, and a couple degrees. Now she writes speculative fiction in Athens, Georgia, where she lives with her husband. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in a variety of venues, including Lightspeed, Shimmer, Strange Horizons, Escape Pod, Podcastle, and Cross Genres. She is an editor, an SFWA member, and a secret android. Follow her on Twitter at Rachel K. Jones. Thanks for listening.